0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Today's episode is sponsored by Logan Arch. Logan Arch is my favorite place to do some nerdy and nostalgic shopping. They have everything from notebooks to pillows to enamel pins, and they cover current fandoms as well as geeky things from our childhood. My personal favorite is the Problematic Space Boyfriend Collection. To check them out, go to loganarchchicago.com and follow them all over the internet at loganarchchicago. Before the episode, we want to take a second to thank our Patreon supporters, If you didn't know, Patreon is the main way that we fund things at the Sartorial Geek, like our fashion challenges and hosting this podcast and keeping the magazine running. And so this week, we want to thank Jamie, Steph, Caitlin, Lori, Kaylin, and Julianne. We appreciate you so much. And if you want to join them, you can head to patreon.com slash Sartorial Geek and check out our rewards. They range from $3 to $25, and we have all kinds of fun stuff over there. Thank you so much. And we hope you enjoyed the episode. Hey, welcome to the Sartorial Geek Podcast. I'm Jordan Ellis of Jordan and Danae. And I'm so excited to be here with Sean Chapel. Hi, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Jordan. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about a brand new game that you and your team have created. It's called Hibernation, and it sounds awesome.
1: Great. Yeah, Hibernation, it's, um, it's a, a tabletop strategy game that we've been developing for a little longer than we'd hoped. COVID-19 has kind of put its foot in our works as a Oh, yeah. It's a tabletop strategy game, a two-player a game with a bee theme, essentially, is what it is. And it takes influence from games such as Othello, but we've also added in some specialty tiles and different things that you might see in games like Candy Crush or online apps, things of that nature, to give the game a little bit more flair a little bit more fun, more avenues of attack in your strategy so that you don't have to be stuck using just one move all the way through the game.
0: That's awesome. I'm glad it's two player too, because a lot of us who used to do like game nights can't really do those in the same way anymore. So it's fun to find a game that you can play with just one other person
1: absolutely and i know a lot of people are looking for that right now as well you know they're they're kind of at home with their significant others and not with their gaming groups and they can't get together in sixes and eights and all the rest of it so we're we're happily positioned with <laughs> a two-player game at the moment which is nice now we just need uh, people to try it
0: yeah yeah so so you guys the game is created right we'll talk about this but like it's launching via kickstarter soon but you have it all like ready to go and it's all thought out and stuff.
1: Pretty much. The game itself is really simple. The mechanics of it are fairly streamlined in that, you know, there's only so many actions, like a game of chess. Although if you have a look at, you know, a chessboard, it's got 32 different pieces on it. There's only actually seven unique pieces in total. So the actual number of moves that you can make are very contained. And our game is very similar. There are only so many different types of tiles that you can play. And there's only so many moves that you can make. And I think that is what gives it its kind of elegant nature. So we didn't have to do a lot of playtesting in order to settle on what the game was. We got um, quite a bit of feedback just before COVID-19 hit. And we had more plans. We really did. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You know, back in March, we had, um, you know, gaming cafes lined up. And our local library was helping us with some game nights. And we almost had a tournament in a small town called Rockton which is just down the street from us. Um, They have a a gaming community there of about 30-some-odd people. So we were going to try to run a tournament. And um, all of that disappeared overnight because of COVID-19 fears. And everybody closed their doors. And even the conventions that we weren't going to go to, but we had advertising in, closed and shut down. And we were... pretty much snookered
0: yeah right this out of the was case. not a good year for any new creative endeavors as basically every single episode of the podcast we've done in the past year has been like well these were my plans and this is what we're doing instead and we're just trying to figure things out so good on you guys for like figuring it out even uh in spite of the chaos of 2020
1: Oh, yeah. We're still trooping on since we don't have the standard avenues of attacks, such as conventions, which we were really, really, I cannot express to you my deep regret of not being able to go out this year. I was really looking forward to it. We had done some conventions in the past, just Fan Expo and Montreal Comic Con and some of the big stuff locally that we can get to and even smaller stuff. You know, there was one in our hometown called uh, the Geek Art Show, which became Alta Crea. And it was really fun and it was really neat to see all the things that people were doing. And we were really looking for that opportunity to get out into the into the crowd and meet people, even if we didn't have our game quite finished, even if it wasn't in hand, we could have met other creative people and shook hands with everybody who's, you know, making new stuff and trying new things. And it all crumbled, which is really unfortunate. Uh, and 2021. Looked like-
0: Why I'm so glad to have this podcast, honestly, because this is the tiniest, like virtual version of being able to meet new people like we're meeting here instead of meeting at a convention which i'm sure would have happened last year so
1: oh it would have i was really really looking forward to getting to gen con which is in indiana yeah. and it's the world, the world's second largest board gaming convention behind the one that happens in essen germany even if we had made it to gen con in in 2020 we're still several years away from being able to afford to get to germany in right. essen and you know the brett the brett <gasps>
0: And then it's international, all of that. It gets a little crazy trying to sell and work overseas. So that totally makes yeah, sense too.
1: <laughs> I don't think we're quite ready for that jump. Yet,
0: but we'll get there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, no. One of the things that we've had to navigate was figuring out how to get online in a quick way. And so it's been a lot of trial and error with websites and social media platforms. And uh, we've finally got hibernation up on Tabletopia. Uh, which is an online simulator for anybody who doesn't know. So they can actually try Hibernation for free online on Tabletopia if they want. But something I learned was that my computer is a wimp. (laughs) And trying to actually set up the game inside of this sort of virtual editor was really painful. And uh, the third person in our team behind uh, Kit, who is my wife, is um, Sabrina. And Sabrina has a gaming computer. So I was actually working with her. Through Discord to set the game up because my equipment isn't ready for it, which is another bit of a, a bit of a blow. I was
0: going to say, I think we're all learning how much our technology was not ready to be online twenty four seven the way we have had to be <laughs> this year.
1: That is very true. <laughs> uh, it is, you know, it's a great word processor, but it sure is no gaming computer. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> so. I don't even know anything about how that site works. Does someone just go to that site and then like search hibernation to find it?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's an online simulator. And unfortunately, if you have a computer like mine, it will not run the simulation very well. It'll be very jerky and very sluggish. But if you do a half modern computer, yeah, you can go to tabletopia.com and search hibernation and it will show up. It's the only game of that name. And uh, yeah, you just, you walk on in, say, I want to play a game and uh, invite a friend. Uh, it is a two-player game. So invite a friend and, and have some fun. Try it out.
0: And also, I should just clarify, in case anyone listening can't tell, it's it's Hive, like a, a beehive. So it's H-I-V-E-R, Nation, which is a really clever name. <laughs> I really like that a lot.
1: Well, the game itself is actually based on real bee behavior in that every year, beehives around the world uh, throw out all the drone bees. So in the spring, when drone bees are needed to uh, fertilize the queen so that she can produce eggs and keep the, the colony alive, they do their thing. But throughout the rest of the year, they have a tendency to just sort of hang out and eat and do very little. So when winter comes around, they all get turfed right out of the hive completely oh my gosh! Uh, so that the worker bees and the queen bee can overwinter and come back in the spring strong. And so, yeah, they're basically thrown to their deaths.
0: That is wild. The
1: animal kingdom is wild. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's something else. It's very militaristic in the way that it's it's organized. You know, the worker bees have basically one job. The drone bees have one job. When it's done, you're out. See it. But uh, yeah, so our game is based on that. It's workers versus drones. And it's a hex tile laying game. So as you lay down hex tiles, you're basically building a hive on on the table around the queen tile, Queen Zizi. She's our center tile. And um, when you sandwich your opponent's tiles between your own, you flip the ones that you've captured in between. So all the tiles are double-sided. It's like Othello in that as you capture your opponent's pieces, you flip the tiles over to show the other side. Yeah, that's kind of how we came up with the theme of the game itself. The initial idea that I had for it was actually even simpler than that. And it was basically just two colored hex tiles that take each other's tiles back and forth and back and forth. But Kitty and Sabrina decided that it needed a bit more gameplay than that. It was a little too simple. It was going to be probably quickly forgettable.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's the eternal struggle is like, you don't want it to be too complicated because I've definitely sat down with new games and been like, oh, I'm going to spend three hours reading this rule book and have to watch like 20 YouTube videos. But then if it's too simple then it's like, I imagine it's very hard to strike that middle balance. So that's good that you guys figured that out.
1: I completely agree with you. I I think actually that, you know, like some games, I understand that there's a certain level of complexity that people are looking for. They want that level of complexity, especially as you get into the RPG type games and all the DD style role player games and things of this nature. But um, there's something to be said for stripping a game back to its basic mechanics and to just... Those things that you need in order to make the game play, I think that there could be an elegance to that and a, a succinctness and a slickness to keep, keeping something simple. I'm not sure if a lot of first-time creatives come up against that wall of trying to make their games as complicated as they think they're supposed to be, You know that there's this understanding that your game, if it doesn't have 5 million physical attributes and 5 million mental attributes and all these resources that you can catch and something else and blah, 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 that you know you're not making a good game. I can see the the value in something that's simple and how people can just jump right into that without having to think too much, as you say, about reading the rule books for for three hours.
0: Yeah. And it's also I feel like I mean, gaming has changed like the rest of our lives has changed a lot this past year. And I feel like even sometimes like I would have I would have my friends who I would game with. And so it was sort of be like, okay, we're gonna see, you know, the same group of people, but now I can't really see people anymore. So like if I actually do get to spend time with someone and can play a game, you don't really want to spend like all of your time just figuring out how to do it because you can't just like play again next week. Like that's not really how uh, life is working right now. So it is really nice to have something that's a little easier to jump into and just kind of get right into playing instead of a whole bunch of setup, which is lovely. I like those games too, but we don't always have time for that.
1: You know, with time being what it is, my wife and I, we've been playing Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, oh, yeah. which is a tabletop RPG. And we've also been playing Arkham Horror, which is a card game. But they have sort of similar mechanics in that, you know, you have a health meter and you have a psychological damage meter and you have to get resources to play cards, to do this, to do that, and so on and so forth. And we find that we do. We end up spending a lot more time looking at the rules or looking at the reference and trying to figure out what this new word is that we've never encountered. What does that mean? I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. And you know, the the rules reference for for Arkham Horror is actually bigger than the rules.
0: I believe that. (laughs)
1: There's a lot going on in that game. Whereas our game is the sort of thing where you could um, pop it out on the table and within 30 seconds, you have the basics of it, uh, you know, and in a couple of minutes, you know, everything. And it's easy to get to. And I value that in our games. And we're trying to, I think, keep our games to the minimum amount of mechanics and learning that you need in order to play the game. So it's not overly complicated.
0: That's awesome. What's like a typical, I know every game is different, but like what's the typical runtime on a, an average game?
1: The game itself, we decided to set it up so that it has three play modes, depending on what your time is cool. like. So... In the basic play mode, everybody gets ten tiles, and you work within that. And the object of every game is to have more B tiles, more of your B tiles face up. So one player picks workers, one player picks drones, and away you go. And you use what we call the pincer attack move, which is sandwiching your opponent's pieces between your own and flipping what's in between. So the basic game, sorry, the quick play mode, basically only uses twenty tiles of the sixty that we have in the game, and it's for when you have only in 10 minutes to play. And, you know, you're on a lunch break, you're on a, on a work break, or, you know, you've only got sort of 10 minutes, but you want to do something fun. And so that's all that is. And then we have a larger version of that, which we call the total domination mode, where you play with all the B tiles. And once they're laid out on the table, all 40 of them, you end up moving them around and you have to completely eliminate your opponent. It's not based on who has more, it's based on completely eliminating your opponent.
0: That's such a fun range. Yeah, I love that.
1: That's actually my favorite one because it's really challenging once you start moving things around, how to make a good move so that you can win more of your opponent's styles without setting them up to take them back or to make an even bigger move against you. So that's where that the whole strategy sort of of where you're gonna play and what you're gonna take comes in. And I appreciate that. At that point you're playing your opponent more than the game. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that makes a, a strategy game like ours stand out. If you have somebody sitting across the table from you who, you know, you want to really challenge, uh, then our game is great for that as well. That game takes a lot longer. That game can take upwards of 30 minutes to play. And then, of course, there's the standard arcade mode, which is what we call a um, regular game, which includes all the specialty tiles. And that can be anywhere from 15 to, to 30 minutes as well. So yeah, standard runtime, 15 30 minutes yep
0: yeah that's a nice again like it is fun to sit down and spend like a night or a whole afternoon playing but it, it's really accessible and <laughs> it's something you can you know you can play in like half an hour that's a really good game time
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, Kitty and I, we sat down the other day and we, we did some some test plays. We had a, an idea for changing up the powers of one of the tiles and we wanted to give it a test and we did three regular arcade games in in and out.
0: That's awesome.
1: So yeah, it can be good. I don't have any high aspirations for thinking that this will be, you know, the go-to game of, of the next generation or anything like that. But I think it's a really great opening game for, for anybody's game night. Yeah. And they want to just kind of get the juices flowing. They can pull it off the shelf it takes 30 seconds to set up and a couple of minutes to learn and you can get right into it.
0: That's so awesome. Is it, um, it sounds like it would be relatively easy for kids to understand. Is it like, what's the age, recommended age that you guys have for this?
1: We're working with 10 and up. I think that there's a certain level of strategy that has to be understood in order to play it and play it well and enjoy it. Yeah. We did some play testing back in March where we were actually working with a friend's daughter's One of them was about four, and she really just loved the art and wanted to play with the tile. But her older daughter, who is seven, she played with me. And I still don't think that she quite understood the rules. She wanted to, she kind of wanted to get around the rules. And there was one point in the game when I told her that she couldn't make a move. And she asked me why. And I said, well, because it's not in the rules. You know, that's not the proper move. And then she turned to look at her mom and her mom says, you have to play within the rules. And her face (laughs) melted. She was all happy playing this game because she thought she made a great move and I told her that she couldn't do it and then her face went completely just she was I don't want to say pissed but I can
0: picture that face
1: <laughs> like this unhappy mask and you know, downturned face and kind of winking one eye at me and looking at me evil across the table all of a sudden. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we set it at, at 10 we had a chance to play with a couple of um teenage boys at the library. And uh, they seem to get it very well. So we're sort of setting it at 10 and up. But I think any kids can easily play with mom and dad if they want to play along and learn the game. So although the game is two player, you can play as two teams.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah, there's nothing that says that you have to play it alone. You can definitely, you know, if you've got one child or a couple of children or even more at home or other adult friends or stuff and you want to, you know, if you've got a four person gaming group and you want to work together, you can absolutely play it as team.
0: That's so smart. I think it's really cool, too. Like, I think it's fun when games relate to, like, nature and stuff, too, especially when you're playing with younger people and it's not just, like, guns and explosions. And you know what I mean? Like, it's still a game where you win and lose, but it's, like, a little bit of real science. And it's, like, beautiful bees and not war, which I feel like is always kind of a nice break.
1: We were really kind of, when we first started the game, it didn't have a theme. But as we were building it and playing with it, you know, the, the hex tiles that are in the game make a natural honeycomb. And we're all huge fans of bees and what they do for us. And um, even as a child, I actually kept bees for Very about uh, cool. a decade. We had bees on our property. And they're fascinating. They're absolutely fascinating little creatures. Brutal sometimes in the way that they treat their drones. <laughs> but they're fascinating. And we we all feel the same about, you know, the pollinators on this planet and bringing attention to them and stuff like that. um, To be honest, when we first started the game, our intention was to actually partner up with somebody who is a bee advocate of some kind. There are quite a few here in Canada that we could easily partner with, but We weren't sure if the game and we're still not sure, honestly, if the game is going to be financially viable or not. And we didn't want to make those commitments without knowing that we had something that we could we could add to the conversation. So for the moment, although in the long run, I would love to see, you know, the sales of hibernation end up making donations to some kind of B advocacy group. For the moment, we're holding off on that until we know well, whether or not, you know, people really enjoy it or not. That's
0: a great goal, though. That is a really cool thing to aspire to.
1: Absolutely. You know, there's so much we're so interconnected on this planet. And I think now that with COVID-19 and the lockdowns around the world, we're really realizing just how, how true that is. And nature plays a big part of that interconnectedness. And, you know, we sort of um, we turn our backs on it to our peril.
0: Absolutely.
1: So we have to absolutely I, I would love to be part of that solution. But uh, again, it really comes down to whether or not hibernation is as successful as we hope it will be.
0: Well, this is a perfect segue into, as of right now, your plan is to launch it via Kickstarter, yeah?
1: That is true. Yes. It seems to be the preferred method.
0: We love Kickstarter. I mean, it's great. (laughs) It's a great platform.
1: It is fantastic. It really is. There's some really unique stuff out there. People really working hard to bring things to life. It's almost like an investment site at this point. Yeah. You know, or at least it, at least it started that way is, is basically you, you invest in the product before it even exists. And with that capital, of course, you know, people create that thing for you. And, um, you know, while there's a few horror stories from time to time, uh, you know, 99.99% of all the projects get reached their goals and the ones that fund and they, you know, create that amazing, unique, fun thing that you, you pledged. Yeah. We're working on that. That comes, um, we're going to be hitting the platform on April 13th of this year, 2021. And uh, that's actually my birthday, believe it or not.
0: Very cool.
1: Yeah. It's going to be a happy birthday. I hope. (laughs)
0: Yeah. That is super exciting.
1: (laughs) It's um, been noted that to launch on a Tuesday is a great time to launch. And then to sort of finish on a Thursday is a great time to finish. And uh, it just so happens that my birthday falls on a Tuesday this year. Perfect. And, um, Well, because we have a bee-themed game and it's got flowers in it and bears and other animals and sort of natural things, we figured it would be best to kickstart it in the spring. So, you know, that's sort of April, middle of April is when things are starting to thaw out and the early flowers are out and the bees will start, you know, showing up soon. So hopefully it all sort of ties together for not only theme, but time of year and what people are thinking about. No, it all becomes a perfect storm. We hope.
0: I love that, and this episode will come out before April. So, if anyone is listening and they want to not forget about your project in April, are you guys like on social media, or what's the best way for people to follow what's happening?
1: We are everywhere. Basically, since all the conventions and everything else are shut, we really have no other avenues but the virtual ones. So. Yeah, you can absolutely find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're playing around on some other platforms as well, but those are the three major ones where we are. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel where we show a few videos from time to time of uh, mostly of, of the artwork getting created oh, cool. and things like that. But um, we do have some gameplay videos as well for anybody who's interested in actually seeing how the game is played. And uh, then we're we're trying basically everything. I work on this full time. From home. I actually quit my job in November of 2019 to make an end run at doing this full time. And it was really quite a kick in the teeth by sort of March of the following year to find everything that I had put together uh, (laughs) collapsing under the lockdown. Absolutely. I think because I am doing it full time, I'm one of those lucky guys who has the time to throw at hitting all the platforms. And trying all the advertising, and trying to make videos, and doing interesting little art projects on the side to to engage people, and blog posts, and all the rest of it. So you know, sort of in a roundabout way to answer your question, if anybody wants to follow us, you can find us everywhere under Ramstar Games. Yeah, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Ramstar Games. You will find us,
0: and we'll link to it in the show notes too. And then we'll also we'll post about it in April when it launches because um, we love promoting Kickstarters oh, that are great and we think people will love. And this I mean, I'm excited to play this game. A lot of the games I've purchased recently are the kind I mean that's why I'm <laughs> why I'm like jaded right now. They're the kind I've been talking about that are like very fun but very complicated. And so the idea of just a straightforward, easy, short ish game is like my dream right now. <laughs> so I'm really excited yeah. to get my hands on this.
1: I think there's there's a really good space for games like ours in, in people's lives. And as you said, like right about now, to have something quick that you can just bring to the table and away you go is beautiful and perfect.
0: Yeah, and something I can just play with my one roommate since I can't <laughs> play with anyone else right now. So that would be yeah,
1: great. Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, jump on, jump on Tabletopia and, and give yeah. it a shot. And tell us what you think, George. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: that sounds amazing. Thank you so much for chatting about this game. I it sounds great. I'm so excited to play, um, and I'm excited for your Kickstarter in April. And it's been lovely to meet you and chat with you.
1: Absolutely. The same with you. I love your podcast and I can't wait to hear more.
0: Thank you so much. And maybe someday we'll all see each other at a Comic-Con again. That's the real.
1: (laughs) I think we will. You know, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that, uh, that they find some way to make some sort of physical convention happen before the end of 2021. I would love to get back out there and meet people. There's no substitute for that energy there really isn't. Even the online things that, that people have tried to do,
0: I know, it's not they're the not same. the same.
1: They just aren't that energy. It's, it's the difference between, say, watching your favorite band on a YouTube video or seeing them live. Absolutely. It's so different.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hopefully. I hope that happens very soon. And I'm so excited for this project. Thank you so much.
1: That's great. Thank you, Jordan.
0: Thank you so much for listening to our episode. If you want to hear more like this, you can subscribe to the Sartorial Geek podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help us out, you can leave us a rating or a review or head to patreon.com slash sartorialgeek. Thank you so much. Have a great day.